Kylian Mbappe, Robert Lewandowski, Karim Benzema, Mo Salah, Lionel Messi and Kevin De Bruyne. Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, Julian Nagelsmann, Diego Simeone and Carlo Ancelotti. Where can you find all of these superstar names and so many more in one competition? Well, as it turned out, we had a Super League all along. The Champions League is back, folks. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. We have superstars of our own right here, and one of them is my perennial wingman, Mark O'Hare. Uh, Mark, let's talk about the outrights first before we get on to this week's specific first legs. Manchester City, the 3.7 favourites on the Betfair Exchange, Bayern 5, Liverpool 6.6. Does that seem like the right top three to you? Yes, uh, I would agree. Uh, it, it is. Uh, I don't disagree with the, the market ordering of those three teams at all. Um, I do think there's a obviously a financial imbalance between the Premier League and the rest of Europe, uh, which you possibly could include Chelsea into that equation too. I think the top four are, are cut above the rest uh, in the competition so far. We had an All-English final last year. I wouldn't be too surprised if we got a repeat this time around. Uh, but what I would say is I probably would possibly not just shuffle Bayern and Liverpool, but at least bring them a little bit closer together in the market. Um, if I was betting the Champions League fresh today, I'd want Liverpool on side. Um, I think you know we've all probably got Man City as favourites, probably the best team in the world uh, on their day, uh, the dominating the Premier League in a way we've never seen before and continue to do so. You know, don't disagree with their price, but do you really want to back a team around 3-1 to one at our last 16 stage, considering all the dangers in the competition, City's own wobbles in this competition and obviously Pep's meddling in the past. So happy to leave them alone. Bayern, huge, huge fan of Julian Nagelsmann, as you are as well, Kev. Uh, fascinated to see how, how Bayern evolve under him. I think the bigger picture around Munich at the moment is a bit unclear with a few contract wranglings going on behind the scenes and uh, you know future direction of the club sort of uh, looking a little bit cloudy. And I think on the field as well, there are a couple of flaws particularly defensively with that team, which would worry me a little bit. I'm not too bothered by the you know, the defeat at the weekend and, and that sort of uh, occurrence happening in isolation. But I think when they're continuing to give away kind of clear opportunities and transitions and counterattacks to lesser teams, that would worry me when they go up against a, a big gun. Um, also, the squad's really small as well. And we saw last season when Lewandowski got injured, it can affect things dramatically as well. So, and I just think Liverpool, I like them most out of the lot. Obviously, we're always price-led on the podcast, and I think they're a very attractive proposition, even still at 6.6, um, for many, many, many reasons. Um, crowds are back, obviously. Anfield, that raucous atmosphere on a knockout stage, particularly if they go into a second leg trailing and they're going uh, into Anfield having to chase a game. I just feel there's a sense of inevitability about that, and the away teams do tend to crumble under the pressure, and then the squad is stronger than it has been for, for many, many years. Luis Diaz, a fantastic capture. Harvey Elliott, now back fit and available. Thiago settling in the defence. You've also got course and distance form across the squad, the club, the coach. Um, I just think there's a um, not a, well, I guess when you look at Liverpool, they're not um, worried by anyone they're going to play against. They're, they're very much kind of confident that they can go and do a job against anyone, even Man City, for example, where I feel like other clubs could potentially have a, an infor inferiority complex when coming up against the likes of City or Bayern or even Liverpool themselves. And I just think 
if you're anyone else in this competition, who do you not want to meet in the knockout stage? And I'd say Liverpool are probably top of that list. I think most teams would fear Liverpool more than they probably would fear City or a Bayern. And I just think they, they're attractive at that price. And I think they can go deep. Just look at what they did in the group phase. Uh, the group of death, really, as well, when they came through yeah. with, with flying colours. Even that last game, you know, already sealed top spot in the pool and go to Milan and win 2-1 and, and do it relatively comfortably as well. So, yeah, for me, it's Liverpool. Liverpool with an incredibly deep squad and first English team to win all six group games. Very impressive indeed. Even City have never done that. Odds compiler and betting aficionado Mark Stinchcombe is part of our glitzy lineup once again. Stinch, I left Cristiano Ronaldo out of that list at the top because things aren't going very well on his return to Manchester United. But if we look historically, this is his competition, this is his stage. Do you believe United represent any value whatsoever at 25 on the exchange? Not to win it necessarily, but as a trade. Can they go deeper in the competition than people think? It's, it's <laughs> That's the response I wanted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want to say no, but I think they've arguably got a winnable tie here against Atletico, given that yes, Atletico are all over the shop at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. So that, and then without, you know, unlike, unlike a World Cup or Euros, we don't know the path. So if they were to get through and draw City, obviously that 2025s is well, a little short and a little bit, but, you know, you wouldn't be sat in a, in a fantastic position. Um, but then if they draw, you know, somebody. Um, outside of the top four in the betting, then then yeah, they could carry on. But I wouldn't. What I've seen so far under Ranić, I, I don't. I wouldn't really want to try and try and be clever. I would say and get them on side. I think. I think as a as a better, I always want want some evidence really that that there's something I can cling to when when trying to get a team on side in an outright market because it's not just one game. You need them to bypass. You need them to bypass multiple games. So I think you're just you're you're gambling. Essentially, I know I know technically we are gambling, but I'd like to think we're gambling with with uh, knowledge or with you know data to back up our our hunches rather than just um, you know almost almost doing a lottery ticket in a way. Um, I feel like this is one of the weakest Champions Leagues in a long time. I don't think you really want to be looking outside of the top four or in the betting, as kind of Mark already alluded to. Um, PSG are fifth faves at nine to one, but we've discussed many a time that we don't feel as though they're a team. I'm very surprised, but I think it it just goes to show how weak the the betting is. The Ajax are sixth favourites, um, but then that means that obviously they're priced at just twelve to one. So I don't, again, I don't feel you really want to be getting involved at twelves. I mean, that feels divorced from reality, doesn't it? Because I know people will look at what Ajax did in the group stage and they will say, oh, but they won all their games. But they were up against what turned out to be a very fragile Dortmund. They played Sporting, who were a good side, and we'll talk about them in a bit. And Bajikdash were hopeless. I mean, completely outclassed at this level. So when you actually strip it back and look at what Ajax have done and look at the fact that domestically, not that great. I mean, good, but not, you know, as dominant as you might think. Then that doesn't look like a clever price at all, does it? No, I mean, it comes down to the draw again. I mean, they've drawn Benfica, um, so you... You know they're they're big favourites to qualify, but then you know if they run into I say one of the big four, that twelve to one all of a sudden looks looks awful. So um, yeah, I wouldn't really want to go go there either. Real Madrid are at sixteens, which you know you know in previous years we'd have been sort of all gobbling up, but you know they they've moved on from from that Ronaldo um, goat 
kind of player and and Zidane um fantastic coaching performance he did really in, in my opinion considering he, he was still an inexperienced coach at that particular time to win you know multiple Champions Leagues I think was fantastic but uh, you know they're flattering to deceive in what is also a very weak La Liga um Man United were 10 to 1 at the beginning of the season and I mentioned at the time I felt as though there was a zero missing off there um <laughs> 13 games Randix had and only in, in all competitions and only three of them they've scored two or more goals. Well, you can't be relying on them to win football matches with that defence if they're only if they're only going to score once. You know, you can't rely on them to be keeping clean sheets, in my opinion. Uh, and then it's 25-1 bar. I mean, Atletico at 40s, which would be unheard of in previous seasons, they'd be, they would be like probably sort of 12 to 1, I would have said. Um on, on in previous seasons based on the draw and and the ability of the other sides but having a bizarre season really in my opinion defensively they conceded 33 in La Liga and in the whole of last season they conceded just 25 and there's still 15 games to go which just kind of tells you you know all you need to know really that they're they're not one that you can again that you can trust um I don't really want to bat Bayern at seven to two because I think Mark he covered it quite well. I think there's there's holes after their first eleven. Um, and I think you know a bit of a strange thing. And Upper Makana was his first start at the weekend, and I'm not really sure if you know if there's something to be read into that that he's not been chosen. Um, you know, despite the fact he was, you know, despite the fact that obviously Nicolas Sula is leaving. Uh, Chelsea haven't convinced for a few few months now, so I just leave City at eleven to four and Liverpool at eleven to two. But I'm not going to suggest that you should bat them now when you could have bat them bigger pre-tournament. When I know Liverpool had a difficult group, but Liverpool were like one to four to qualify. So that you know pre-tournament, I believe, was you know the, the time to get them on side. I think Mark, uh, Mark kind of stole my point in a way, um, but you know it's good to have a, all the yeah, angles Mark. covered. <laughs> No, I was just going to mention the atmosphere because I think I think that does give Liverpool an edge. And I think in betting, a lot of the time you kind of when sometimes when you price things up because you've got a lot of things to price up, you just be like, oh, what were they last season? Has anything changed? And I think the market maybe was a little bit lazy and gone. Well, what were Liverpool last season? Just made them the same price because last season, I say, no crowd, and that that second leg against Real Madrid was such a was such a dour affair, really, without crowd. You know, it's yeah. no surprise, really, that it finished nil-nil. And obviously, we saw what happened a few seasons ago when Barcelona came with a with a, obviously a commanding three-nil league. So yeah, I think Liverpool, with the crowd on their side, uh, you know, is one to to keep an eye on. Um, as I said, I'd rather have been on on them like eight, nine to one pre-tournament. So I'm not going to recommend them now. But yeah, I think if you if you're looking for a way and maybe. Maybe that's that's the way to go, and we'll come on to it. But um, interesting that they're playing Inter, and crowds in Italy are currently reduced. So if anything, that kind of adds to to Liverpool's potential of uh, getting through this leg. Now we can't have a big Champions League show without the data doctor himself, Jake Oscarthorpe's been shining the InfoGoal XG robots to a nice sparkle just for the occasion. Jake, does the data suggest that any of these outright prices we see in the market are wide of the mark? Um, not particularly, no. Um, they're pretty much accurate. And to be honest, I agree with everything that the lads have said already. Um, for me, if I was to have a bet now, I would be taking Liverpool. Um, I think that if they hadn't had probably one of the tougher draws that they could have possibly had, they'd be a lot shorter, maybe level with Bayern alongside uh, at 4-1. to one. But because they've picked drawn into Milan, that price is a little bit bigger. 
Um, Chelsea, we haven't really discussed them. The defensive champ, uh, defending champions, they've sort of gone on the radar in this this early segment of the of the pod, and, and at, you know, Stinch touched on it in the sense that they've not really convinced. But what they did last season was just you know pretty extraordinary in the way they sort of you know Tuchel set them up to be really difficult to beat, which is perfect for knockout football. Um, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if they had another deep run because I do think that they have the players there to be able to play in that manner yet again. Um, and that's ultimately, you know, you need a bit of luck here and there, don't you, to win these kind of competitions. Uh, and you also tend to find that the better teams that, or the teams that do go on to win it are usually the ones with the better um, organisation, the better defences. Uh, so I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them have another deep run. And, you know, by the same token, it's probably a reason why I'm not really fancying them to to you know, pursue Manchester City in the Premier League is because that they are, um, for me, for me anyway, much more suited to these kind of cup competitions, uh, as we've seen with the Carabao Cup getting to that final, the FA Cup last season. Obviously, they've won the Club World Cup now. Um, but yeah, just touched a little bit on Manchester United as well. I know everything's very you know negative around them at the moment, but watching them at the weekend against Southampton, I really did think that they were they were really good for 25, 30 minutes of that game. Really good, and it almost seemed like they've run out of gas. Like almost they were, they were so tired from trying to, you know, do the stop-start pressing. And I, I do think that you know it may be just a completely outlandish thought, but they get five subs in the Champions League. That might make a big difference to Manchester United compared to in the Premier League. Just no, having a couple of that. extra players to come on and freshen it up. And I'm not saying that they're going to go on and win the whole competition because I think they're way off the the levels required. But I won't be surprised if they happen. You know, if they got past Atletico Madrid and then maybe push someone quite close, um, you know. But, yeah, for me, I'm not going to be backing them. It was just, just a thought on the on the fact that they, you know, Europe, across Europe, they're still playing with five subs, aren't they? And the Premier League's the only the only league that's playing with three. Um, but, yeah, for me, uh, Liverpool, I wouldn't be going Manchester City just because of the whole, uh, you know, the pep factor. How can he sort of, what sort of tactical ingenuity can he bring to the table on a, a really random position? You know, you might be tuning up against PSG in the final and you might, do something really drastic. Put Edison as up we've front. Seen. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, anything like that, he's more than capable, as he's shown. And um, even in the final last year, you know, he made some really strange decisions. Just, you know, like, it's just, come on, Pep. Just, it's been working the whole season. But that's man. the just... ultimate example, isn't it? And I know we always, and we, we've done a few of these shows now, and we always come back to this, but there's a really good reason why we come back to it. Because there's now, if you look at the body of work of Pep Guardiola in the Champions League, you go back to Bayern, three semifinals, never got to a final. A little bit unfortunate in some of those matches, but did make some very odd decisions compared to what he would normally do. City, I mean, numerous. That physical lineup he went for against Spurs, that didn't work. He messed up his lineup at Anfield when they got smashed and they couldn't turn that tie around. Leon, he matched up against Leon, who weren't very good, but he still matched up against them and ended up falling short. And the final against Chelsea, to not select Rodri... Beggar's yeah. belief. I mean, it's, it's just made no sense. He's clearly an incredible football brain. We know that. But I think we can say, with some justification, he implodes in these big games. He does, yeah. And, and it's really strange to see that happening. It's almost like he's got to invent something new or, um, you know, like the, the, the old back in the, you know, Ferguson and Wenger. They didn't really change their, or maybe Ferguson did a little bit more than Wenger, but the, the style of play and the, the sort of selection was very consistent week in and week out. And it was almost like, right, well, we're the best team. You've got to adapt to us. And City can do that because they are the best team. But it seems as though, like you said, they seem to adapt to their opponents 
maybe too much. I can understand a little bit because you want to negate some of their strengths, but um, you know they, they, they're fortunate in this this round in the sense that they've drawn a Sporting Lisbon team they should brush aside. But if if and when they do come up against a better side, maybe even likes of Liverpool, Chelsea, um, you know Bayern, maybe not so much PSG, but they they could find themselves coming unstuck definitely. Well, it's worth bearing in mind our fantastic multiples offer is running every day. Bet £20 on multiples or bet builders and receive a £5 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's apply. Let's get into the four ties for this week then. The favourites, Manchester City visit Sporting. They are 1.32 to take the win. Mark Sporting had a chaotic title race showdown with Porto at the weekend, it's fair to say. Will that be good preparation for them to have sharpened up or the worst possible build-up? Uh, yeah, chaotic is an understatement. Um, yeah, I think um, possibly as a decent loosener for this car- for this game because they played really well for at least the first half or at least the first hour. Uh, and obviously when the red card went against them, Porto were able to kind of pile on the pressure and get a, a draw out of the game, which Sporting really needed to win that match. So possibly they'll be a bit downbeat after that. But um I like sporting. I really like the progress that they've made under Ruben Amarim. I've talked about them before on the Champions League podcast. You know, you look at what Thomas Tuchel achieved at Chelsea, transforming them, transforming them basically overnight. Uh, Ruben Amarim has done similar with sporting, really. Uh, they were basically the the erratic third wheel in Portugal's big three, uh, never really consistent enough. But he arrived from Braga and he turned them immediately into this consistent dominant force. They absolutely dominated the division last year, deserving winners of the title, giving Porto a really good run for the money this time around as well. Uh, I thought they were really, really good in that first half away at Porto, played some really sublime stuff in transitions, obviously lost their heads in the heat of battle, and that's always the concern with, with a team like Sporting. But defensively, they are pretty rigid. They're very physical. But going forward, they're a threat from set pieces, and they can be actually quite intricate and, and expansive in possession too. So, yeah, they are going to be a danger, but uh, as the odds suggest... And as we've talked about with Man City as well, in theory, they should be outclassed here, particularly over two legs. Um, you know, Ajax cut through Sporting pretty convincingly. And I assume City can do something similar. Um, you know, they are a winning machine at the minute and it's very difficult to oppose them in any sort of sense. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's always hard to find something that you really fancy in, in City matches because of the, the odds being so lopsided. But I thought you know, kind of going into an old faithful, really, and on the exchange, you can back City to win under three and a half goals at around 2.2, which I thought was reasonably appealing. Um, it's always a bit nervous, kind of opposing goals in a Man City match. But, you know, first leg of a knockout tie, I think Sporting will show them huge respect in that regard, um, but also be pretty pragmatic in their approach, not trying to give away too many opportunities or too many spaces. Uh, ultimately, City's third final third dominance should pay um, pay in that regard. But, um, yeah, I kind of... It's not the most exciting bet, is it, to, to play? So I did sort of look between the between the lines to see if I could find some sort of alternatives, really. And there's a couple that stood out, all kind of centering around the same guy, really. Sebastian Quartes, uh, the sporting skipper, ex-Liverpool centre-back. He's 6-5 to five to have a shot in this match on on the sportsbook, which I think is a real runner. He is yep. a massive target from dead ball situations. He's actually scored 13 goals in his last 85 games for sporting. He's 5-1 to one to have a shot on target. 
which I thought isn't too bad. Um, he's also a bit of a card magnet, sent off in that game against Porto at the weekend. Eight cards in 24 games this year, 42 cards in 132 appearances over the last few seasons, which works out at one every three games. So, you know, markets aren't yet open for, for card-based prices, but um, you could also possibly go into the bet builder and combine a, a Coates shot on target and a Coates card as well and get a nice price. Um, obviously sent off the weekend. He is the leader and he definitely does try to bully those defenders and lead his team by example. So he'll be in the heart of action. And obviously with City's intricate forwards, there's always going to be an opportunity for him to bring down a player on the break. So yeah, a couple of potential opportunities there, but I haven't got prices to kind of back them up just yet. Yeah, and the games against Besiktas, I think they really struggled to deal with Coates uh, at set pieces. Jake, City have been sensational in the Premier League in the last few months, that's fair to say. They've been so, so consistent. It is hard to see, and Sporting have some lovely players, and when they're on form, they're great to watch, but it's really hard to see them restricting City if they couldn't restrict Ajax, which they couldn't. Yeah, that's right, and you know, I think we're all fully expecting City to win this game um, and also you know, qualify from the tie fairly comfortably. But I think it is worth noting that, you know, Sporting Lisbon, while they weren't in the most competitive of groups, you know, the likes of Liverpool obviously had the group of death. And we've already said Sporting were in alongside some, um, you know, struggling Dortmund, Besiktas, who just didn't look very good at this level. Uh, and Ajax, we yet to see how good they are um, in terms of being challenged by one of Europe's elite. But they actually created a fair amount of chances themselves uh, on a game-to-game basis. Nearly two expected goals for per game, actually. So they are doing you know, plenty in attack. And if you look at domestic form as well, uh, around 1.9 expected goals for per game. So they do create chances. And you know, Man City in general have looked really, really good defensively this season. But in the Champions League, they have conceded in all six group stage matches, which... May come as a surprise if, you know, you know, even Club Bruges managed to score on both occasions they played them. It's conceded five to Leipzig over two legs. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not completely solid defensively. Um, and given that the Sporting are at home for this first leg uh, and they are rank outsiders, th- this is their main opportunity to sort of try and get something to take to the Etihad. They've got to score, in my opinion. If they don't score, it could be curtains after the first leg. Um, so I, I was looking at both teams to score, which is around 2.1. Um, but given we we are expecting Manchester City to win the game, coupling both teams to score with a City win also appeals at a slightly bigger price. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think that, as I've said, Sporting are going to have to throw something at Manchester City at some point because otherwise it's just going to become... Uh, you know, a 5-0, 6-0 aggregate kind of scoreline. Um, so both teams to score just appealed to me as, as a small bet. We know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet. So Betfair's now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds, over-under and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. Massive clash in the French capital on Tuesday. PSG up against Real Madrid. Lionel Messi facing his old foes. Stinch doubts about Neymar. Sergio Ramos here for PSG. Miles clear at the top of Liga. But fair to say their performance level hasn't suggested they should be 2.08 favourites here to win this game. I know Real have not been mega impressive, but they are still four points clear at the top of La Liga. I think the huge thing for me here really is not so much PSG, but it, it's uh, the doubt surrounding Karim Benzema. Yeah. I, th- I think um, from, from what I understand, he's potentially got 60 minutes in him, which says to me he's probably only got about 15. You know, he probably shouldn't even be maybe involved. Well, Ancelotti said that if there was any doubt, they wouldn't risk him. 
Now, whether that will actually be the case, we'll see. But he was quite adamant that unless Benzema was 100%, they're not going to start him. Yeah, I mean, um, I'd rather wait and see the lineups than trust uh, what a manager <laughs> what a manager says. But uh, yeah, I, Carlo. <laughs> no, nothing to do, nothing to do with him. It's just I'm a big, big, very big advocate of uh, waiting for the lineups because yeah, um, yeah you, you never know what sort of kidology is, is going on in in press conferences and and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I just feel like Benzema is. He, he's just carrying this Madrid side so much, I think. He's got the most goals for them this season, the most assists. I mean, in La Liga, he scored 17. Vinicius has scored 12. And Asensio has scored 6. Little quiz question. Who do we think is the, the next top goal scorer for, for a squad that is valued at 650 million? Edir Militao. <laughs> Luka Modric. Tony Cruz. It is Nacho. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't far he, off with Eddie Militao. No, and he, but Nacho hardly plays. So I just, as again, I just it, for me, you know, the likes of uh, Bale, Eden Hazard, Rodrigo, etc. Like, what, what are these, what are these guys doing? I just think there's so much being carried by uh, Karim Benzema. So if he doesn't play, I, I think that the PSG are, are a bet basically, and uh, be interested to hear what the other guys think. Mark, we talk about PSG a lot and you look at the project and you look at the players that they've signed and obviously the the quality at the top end of the pitch let's say that Mbappe Messi and Neymar do all play although there's a big doubt over Neymar's fitness but let's say they do it is effectively eight and three it's an eight zero three formation because the only way Pochettino can do it and it's not what he would want to do as a coach but the only way he can do it is literally have a block and say, right, you're not going to get through us. And then when we win it, we're going to play it up to those three guys because they ain't working. Those three are not going to come back and track back and help, are they really? Not consistently. Yeah, I think that's what they're sort of transitioning towards, uh, at least. I think that's what we saw against Man City earlier in the Champions League. It's what they tried to achieve. Basically field three workman-like-ish midfielders and, and basically get them to cover the ground and allow the front three to try and do their thing in the forward in the forward line. Um, I would be surprised if Neymar does play. I think if Pochettino's got any sense, he'll field Di Maria as well um, instead, just to give him a bit more energy and a bit more play, you know, a bit more cover in that regard. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the the fullbacks um, are energetic enough, you know, Mendes and Hakimi to get up and down the line to support when needs be, but also provide that protection. And I think certainly that's the way transi- tra- PSG are transitioning towards. And you know, they have been pretty pretty awful to watch most of the season but more recently they have probably put in two of their better performances of the season the Ren game wasn't fantastic but uh, in putting Lille away 5-1 a fortnight ago they were very very good possibly their best league on performance of the season so and also PSG I wouldn't put them anywhere near the level of you know Liverpool at Anfield but they do deserve a, a degree of respect at the part of the Prance they are very very strong at home and they'll also see this match as you know, almost must win, really. And I think Real Madrid, a lot depends on Karim Benzema's fitness. I think they ma- massively missed him at the weekend against Villarreal. He's not just a finisher, he's a presence, he's a link-up play. Very, very intelligent. But um, from a Madrid perspective, he is basically the only, the only player you know, with a doubt. They've basically got a first-choice defensive midfield available. Uh, Alaba and Militao are starting to kind of find themselves as a partnership. Uh, Mendy should be available, hopefully. And then they've got Carvajal as well. So... You know, I think Madrid um, will be well aware of the threats that uh, PSG pose. And I just wonder, 
you know, this is the first year now we've not had an away goals rule uh, in place. So I just wonder what the impact might be. You know, will Real Madrid see this as an opportunity to just try and get out of Paris with something uh, to go back to, Bernab- to the Bernabeu? Or will they try and attack PSG and try and, you know, utilise their strength against those weaknesses? I'm not really sure, to be honest, but I, I did wonder whether the goal line was set a little bit too high. Um, I thought under three goals at around 1.85 on the Asian goal line was it's quite interesting. Basically, you need four goals or more to see the bet lose. Um, I don't think Real Madrid will allow PSG to sort of, uh, you know, score fluently against them. So that was one thing. But the, the real thing that kind of caught my eye. I think this is a fascinating game, but it's really difficult to to second guess. So I'm interested to hear what Jake says. But um, my, my my kind of way into this was uh, to go down the violence route because we got Daniele Asato. He loves it, of course. <laughs> of course, he's gone down the violence route. A fantastic appointment. Uh, everyone knows who the the Italian referee is. Very experienced. He loves the card himself. Um, gave 23 cards in four group stage games already this season. Last year, he had three knockout games, gave 17 cards. Uh, he's had 49 games across continental competition, averages 4.57 cards. And it just feels like this game has the potential to be quite feisty, quite animated. Now, prices aren't up yet, but there's certainly probably mileage in doing a couple of doubles, Casemiro and Verratti, Carver Hal and Paredes as he if he starts, you know, there's definitely you're gonna get sort of at least five to one on those doubles. Uh if pick basically four players out of that midfield battle, double them up and, and you'll be in with a decent shout. Otherwise just just the classic of both teams to get two cards or more because uh Osato will definitely be keen to to flash them. So violence and appropriate <laughs> that we're recording this on Valentine's Day and Mark mentions cards. Um Jake, this is a really fascinating game to me. And I just want to pick up on Mark's point as well, because we don't have away goals in this these this competition and in the UEFA competitions going forward. So I do wonder, because before you'd go away from home and you'd think, well, if we haven't scored an away goal, we failed, really. We've put ourselves under big pressure. That's not there anymore. No, no, you could argue that the pressure's more on the home team now actually, to score at home. Um, otherwise, they face having to visit away from home and score without the obvious benefit of it counting almost double. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out of these first round of matches. Um, but yeah, just a couple of things for me on PSG. There's um, Obviously, there's, it's a massive narrative game, this, isn't it? You've got Ancelotti, former PSG manager, yeah. head of Real Madrid. You've had Messi, who's tortured Real Madrid for years and years and years now playing for PSG. Ramos, if he was fit, would be another one. Um, Mbappe, Real Madrid obviously hotly pursuing him in the summer. So there's a lot of really great narrative heading into the game. Um, and for me, like I think Pochettino is trying to do similar to what, in terms of setup, what Liverpool do. Uh, if you've watched recently, he's obviously got Hakimi, who's a really, really good attacking fullback, one side, Mendes on the other. Um, and it does appear to me as though he's trying to sort of emulate that a little bit. Difficult to do because the front three for PSG don't press as well as what Liverpool's front three do. But by playing those more functional midfielders, you're getting that little bit more protection than if you were to play more expansive midfielders, the likes of one Alden. So effectively, it seems to me as though he, like you said, he's basically playing a a 6-4 formation of, you know, one midfielder joined in, two midfielders sitting in front of the two centre-halves with the wing-backs providing the width letting the Messies and the Neymars drift inside and try and create. So really interesting tactically to see how that develops against Real Madrid because Real Madrid have got these sort of really incisive passes, haven't they, in Modric and Cruz that can perhaps break those lines and spread the game wide open. Um, but for me, I, I look at these two teams and I think Real Madrid, over a full league season, I would probably trust them more. So 
you know, to, to consistently get results at a good level, I would trust Real Madrid. But in a one-off game, I think if we're talking ceilings and floors, I think PSG's ceiling is higher than Real Madrid's, but the floor's also lower. So there's a lot more room for variance in terms yeah. of performance from PSG. So if it all clicks, they could breeze past Real Madrid in this game 2-3-0 quite easily and make it look really comfortable. If not, then Real Madrid will likely go here and get a result because I do think that they are much more consistent game to game. You know what you're going to get. PSG, you really don't. If, if they, they could turn up and, and you know play like the Harlem Globetrotters and just smash somebody, but the following week it could look so disorganised and, and really easy to play against. So um, for that reason, I do think PSG are a bet at this price around 2.1 just because of what they are capable of. I think that they are more they, they are capable of playing to around a 1.9 level in this game. Um, and, you know, I think for me, that's I'm, it's worth chancing them to win this, especially, as, as Stin just said, with Benzema, a massive doubt. Uh, he is their, their best player, ultimately. Um, and, you know, if he isn't playing, it'd be a little bit easier for those PSG defenders. As Stinch always says, keep an eye on the team news to Wednesday then. And the Italian champions Inter take on Liverpool, who won all six of their group games, including a victory against Milan at San Siro. So they've already won on this ground in the Champions League. Mark, Inter lost to Milan derby recently, even though they led going into the closing stages of that game. They were held at Napoli at the weekend's. Does that play into the thinking at all here? Two big games and they've come up a bit short? Yeah, I think so. Um, I like Inter Milan a lot, uh, particularly domestically. I think uh, they've been great value for, for the last 18 months or so, but have disappointed in Europe, it must be said, uh, not just this season, but last year too. They've been beaten home and away by Real Madrid in the last two campaigns, which I think is a, a decent barometer. And actually, if you look at their league form, you mentioned those two performances in the last fortnight, but actually, you know, they've been pretty much flawless against teams in seventh and below. They've only dropped points once against teams in seventh and below in Serie A. But uh, look at their record against the top six, just two wins in nine now. And uh, that's why they're not comfortably clear at the top, because they haven't been beating the best teams in the division. And I think at the weekend against uh, Napoli, uh, they were quite fortunate to be just one goal down at half time. Uh, Handanovic was, was key, really, made a few really good saves. Napoli hit the woodwork as well. And uh, really, if they if they were you know had their shooting boots on, they would have uh, comfortably been ahead and probably seen that game off. Whereas Inter were able to to get back into it really, and I think that's quite concerning really. And also is their their defensive performances just the one clean sheet in nine now against uh, the top six in Italy, uh, and two wins in those nine games as well. So yeah, that's quite concerning because we know what Liverpool are all about, and they're full of goals. Uh, they survived that banana skin at Burnley at the weekend. Um, have lost just once in all competitions since November. That was against Leicester when they absolutely dominated them. And they've actually been beaten just twice across all competitions all season, which is really impressive. And they've scored at least twice in every game, bar five in the Premier League and Champions League. So I find Liverpool quite difficult to oppose here. Um, I'm quite bullish about their prospects to to go and get a result here. The way in which they dealt with Atleti and Porto and, and Milan through the group stage was was quite um, quite impressive, really. We've talked about their squad being strengthened in the January window, not just with players returning from injury, but also the signing of Luis Diaz. And I also think there's stylistically this match should suit them, really. I think they'll possibly be too strong, too energetic, too physical. I think they can bully Inter, and I think there definitely is a, a stylistically a difference between the Premier League and, and Serie A when it comes to the European stage, which I think can aid Premier League teams for sure. So I think the Liverpool win is, is appealing enough at the prices, but um, you can play it slightly more cautious because the odds allow you to and back Liverpool Minus a quarter on the Asian handicap at 1.87, 
which means you only lose half of your stake if the game does end all square. Uh, both options appeal to me, just by my pragmatic nature would make me take the, the Asian handicap option just in case there was a draw, you only lose our stake by full if Inter win this match. But um, I do expect Liverpool to go there and get a result. Stinch, I always think it's a sign that there's a strong squad when you have something which I call the oh god, not him factor, which is basically when as a defender or as a player in general, you've played against a team for say an hour, 65 minutes. Just imagine Liverpool have picked Mane, Firmino and Salah. And then they bring on either Luis Diaz on the left or bring on Jota. And it could be any combination of those guys. But if as a, if as a defender, you're looking over at the sideline thinking, oh, God, not him. If you just seen off Mane and Luis Diaz appears, they have incredible depth in attack now. They have incredible depth in midfield. And we know how good the fullbacks are. And Virgil van Dijk is terrific. And behind all of them, you've got Alisson. It's incredibly strong, isn't it? Yeah, it's about time, isn't it? We've been waiting years <laughs> for for yes. a backup for the front three. Um, I remember was... Milan Jovanovic, so you know, <laughs> Christian Poulsen. It's a far cry from that. Uh, not not too far back, I uh, wasn't referring to. But yeah, I mean, remember when it was Origi and, and Minamino were the backup to the front three? I mean, But we say again. that and Origi's come up with some massive goals yes. in massive yes. games. I think the the more I mean Minamino's chipped him with a few goals as well this season. I think it's more when they start. I don't think they give in, yeah. in, in nowhere near enough over 90 minutes. So that that that's the sort of problem there. But yeah, I mean Jota and Luis Diaz. I mean there are a huge upgrades on both of those. I mean we've seen how quickly Jota's slotted into playing any of those front three positions. What I think is fantastic. I, I've referred for a while that I felt Liverpool needed somebody like a Son that could cover any of those front three and Jota yeah. has proved he can do that. And I'm not going to read too much into Diaz's first start. But he did look really good against Leicester. He linked up well with Robertson. He, he um, I think he tested Schmeichel to, on two or three occasions as well. So, he looked really yeah. sharp for a player yes. that has just arrived. I mean, I thought he looked sharp against Cardiff, but he looked really sharp against Leicester. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was great when he came on against Cardiff, set up a goal within within minutes. And, you know, Mane, maybe a bit tired after his African nation exertion. And he played, uh, you know, he played, he started the game on Sunday. So maybe we might see Diaz start here. But you're absolutely right. You could even just, with and Jake mentioned before, with the five subs, you could even just give each of them a half each, basically. Just say, go and play as if it's 90 minutes. Just give, you, give, give everything in your tank and then we'll swap you. Um, and I think that's a little bit... Uh, kind of far cry to, to Inter. I mean, Mark mentioned uh, a couple of good points regarding their, their victories against or lack of victories against the big teams. I think he said two wins in nine against the top six or the top seven. It's just one win in seven against against the top five. Um, and you mentioned about Liverpool's lack of defeats. It's I think he went back to the beginning of this season. If you go further back, they've lost just two of the last 46. And as you mentioned, Kev, they won all six group games against Atletico Porto and AC Milan, which is you know very impressive. Um, and the reason Inter here, really, I mean, is because they beat Sheriff at home and away and Shakhtar at home. Not exactly difficult tasks, and you know the odds will reflect that. They failed to score in both of the games against Real Madrid, and obviously they lost both of those. And we've already discussed, you know, the fact that we don't rate Real Madrid that highly. And you know, it all comes down to price at the end of the day. Liverpool are the same price as when the draw was made in December. And I think, if anything, Inter, I've stood still, and Liverpool have further improved, not just in terms of you know adding to the squad, but just in terms of their consistency with the ability. And obviously, um, you know, the Inter's record against big teams is alarming. 
Um, there's going to be no Barella or Bastoni, um, and who, they're both mainstays of this inter side. And we've already mentioned they had a tough game against Naples on Saturday. The San Siro is going to re- be reduced by 50%. So I don't believe that's been factored into the price either. So yeah, I really like Mark's Liverpool minus a quarter. You're not losing much going from evens to 1.87, and you, you've got the security of half your stake if it if it finishes a draw and. Arguably, I think with with no away goal rule, it might favour the stronger teams because they know they can, if they play to their ability over 180 minutes, rather than having to worry about the tie over 90 minutes, they can just rely that eventually their their class will shine through. And Jake, finally, we've got something of a derby as Bayern Munich make the relatively short trip, actually, across the border to face the Austrian champion Salzburg. We know Bayern had a bit of a nightmare at the weekend as they lost at newly promoted Borkum, beaten 4-2. They were 4-1 down at one stage, although Borkum were having their own goal of the season competition uh, within <laughs> one game. But what I thought was really interesting was afterwards, because Julian Nagelsmann, who we all, have got, we all have got a huge amount of time for, the coach, admitted that he felt something was off in the build-up to the game. He felt there was a lack of tension. And he's annoyed at himself that he didn't react more quickly in the first half when things were falling apart. But having said that, my gut feeling is this is actually the worst possible thing for Salzburg. Because <laughs> I was about to say the same. Because yeah. <laughs> an angry Bayern is a really dangerous Bayern. And we see this time and time again. If they slip up in a game, they then go and absolutely demolish the team they face next. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're expecting, I think. Uh, well, that's what I'm expecting anyway. Yeah, you just, you've, you know, you set it up nicely there for me. They, this is sort of screams of retaliation um they, they could do some serious damage to salzburg um you know like we talk about um you know group strengths i think salzburg came through the weakest group arguably in the champions league um you know severe are having a good season but they're not consistently brilliant uh, wolfsburg obviously have had their struggles particularly uh, domestically uh, this season and obviously Lille as well they're far from the title winning team of last season so to come through that group you know it, it's not as eye catching as as you know, Liverpool is obviously the one that stands out in the group of death, um, but you know they still put up decent figures. You know they're a good attacking outfit. Um, you know they they do create chances on a regular basis, and and I think that they'll create and score against Bayern because Bayern do play in such an open and expansive manner that they leave themselves exposed. So um, yeah, Bayern Munich. I mean, based on the underlying numbers, I don't know if you'd call uh, a group of Benfica and Barcelona. A strong group, but they absolutely dismantled them, didn't they? And yeah. uh, in every single game, they finished with an expected goal difference per game of two point one five. So on average, they were two expected goals better than everyone that they played in that group, which is just a staggering number. Um, I think they're still finding pieces of Barcelona, just just <laughs> kind of scattered all over the place. After those it seems to be games. like a yearly occurrence, doesn't it? Bayern just hammering Barca. Yeah, it's yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, and from an attacking standpoint, they just look really difficult to, to hold down. Um, in any game, you expect them to score two, maybe three goals. Fully expect that to be the case here. Um, I think the, these two met in the in the group stage last season, 6-2 and 3-1 to Bayern. Um, something similar this time around. I think that Salzburg's best form of defence is going to be attack. It's going to be, can they keep up with Bayern scoring? Because they're not going to be able to hold them back. Um, so for me, I thought... 2.6 about buying to win and both teams to score in this first leg just appealed straight away. Um, uh, you know, I'd happily put a couple of points behind that because I do think it's very, very likely that Bayern win this one easily, but Salzburg will probably get on the score sheet. Yeah, Mark, I'm not even going to be shy about that one. I'm all over that. Bayern to win and both teams to score. That feels like a perfect fit, doesn't it? 
for what we know? Yeah, I've got it. I've got it noted down. I did notice that the exchange had got Bayern to win and over two and a half goals at one point seven seven, which is a lot higher than it normally would be in a Bayern Munich for Bayern Munich match. You you're normally looking around one point five for that kind of selection. So if you wanted to play it slightly cautious, you can do that. But yeah, you, you've made some great points about the weekend defeat to, to Bochum. I think Salzburg will have noticed a few weaknesses, but uh, at the same point, the kind of flip side is Bayern will be much more focused, much more motivated to, to right those wrongs. And look, Salzburg are only just coming back from the winter break and they, they played Friday night in quite a tricky domestic match and underwhelmed a little bit in, in that game. So they might be a little bit uh, undercooked coming into this match. You never know, really. But uh, yeah, it was, a, it was an odd group they came through. Um, I, I was quite underwhelmed, actually, with, with, what, with a lot of what Salzburg did during the group phase. But uh, yeah, they're going to run into a... <clears throat> a very, very strong team here, even though um, Bayern are missing Neuer, Alfonso Davies and Goretzka as well. And they did look very unbalanced in that first half against Bochum, with Kimmich the only holding midfielder. I know Toliso then came on at half-time, but uh, Nagelsmann, we know, is a front-foot coach. He'll want uh, Bayern to be you know, at their threatening best in the final third. And I just think the price on Bayern to win, uh, the boost to 2.6 with the both teams to score is, is a massive increase. If you look at the spread betting markets, they're saying... They're probably expecting around 3.5, 3.6 goals in this match. Yet the Asian handicap is set at one and a half. So um, kind of read between the lines there. You're looking at sort of a 2-1, 3-1 away win, which kind of suits the narrative we've all been talking about as well. So that leap between the, the Bayern win price of 1.37 to Bayern to win and both teams to score just looks a bit too big. Now, Stinch has been keeping his powder dry when it comes to the match selections. And there's a reason for that. Stinch, you've got a little surprise for us at the end. Jake's rubbing his hands together. He's so excited about this. Yeah, kind of three things now, actually. So I'll just run through them real quick. So um, you just finished on um, Salzburg Bayern. The prices aren't available yet, but keep an eye out for Salzburg's shot prices or the, the lines. They fired in 19 last season in the, in the home game and I would imagine it'd probably be maybe around evens for like 12 or something so you could bat that and maybe even bat sort of 14 or 15 at, at bigger prices as well so that that's something to to note um just quickly in the in the city game I don't think we touched on um Pedro Goncalves uh, um I don't think he's likely to play but if he is he's he's essentially the cheat code um 36 goals since the beginning of last season he's so he, good he's so good to watch he destroys the expected goals. He scored 23 in the league last season from an expected goals of 11. So this is... <laughs> of course this he is, did. This is why because they're all from 30 yards. Is that why? Yeah. Yeah, and this, this is why he's the cheat code. He's 4-1 to one to score any time. So that's something just to, just to keep uh, keep an eye on if he starts. Um, but yeah, the main the main thing I wanted to sort of bring to the table was as a, as a gambler, as, as a gambler myself, when I, when I look at odds... I, I normally have a gut feel based on the odds of what I believe is value. And then I will try and sort of back that up with data uh, and go that way around things. And when I just looked at the ties, not just this week, but next week as well, I just thought sometimes as betters, like we often, we, we think out, try and think outside the box because, um, you know, it's, it, it's too obvious to, to go with the favourites or go with the overs, for example. But I don't think there's any reason not to kind of do that in, in the, on this occasion because I feel like the Champions League, you know, it's the pinnacle of club football. And it's something where you know you've got nothing to worry about in terms of do the team want to win? So what I mean by that is when you think about league football, you, you know they've got 38 games to try and achieve their goal. So 
even when they might play their strongest team, there could be a stage where they start to rotate and then that costs them the result, for example. There's absolutely nothing here in my mind that they'll they'll consider that. Think about the Europa League, completely opposite. You can never read into whether a team is that bothered about the Europa League, even if they pick their first choice team. So that that's one thing here. And I and I and because of the odds, so we've got City one to four, PSG just touch of odds on, Liverpool evens, Bayern one to three. If you look at this stage, the last six seasons for teams evens and shorter, 18 of 22 teams have won. So that's, you know, that's a ridiculously high strike rate considering evens is a 50% strike rate of a, of a team's odds. And those four teams that failed to win was Barca at home to PSG last season, which is obviously a failing Barcelona. Juve away at Porto and Lyon. Again, I would describe Juve as sort of a failing light in, in that terms. And then the other yes. one was... <laughs> The other one was Atletico about four or five seasons ago where at PSV, but you know we know the style of football Atletico play doesn't lend itself to, to winning games. So the angle I'm looking at here is all four favourites basically at six to one. And I think six to one is is you don't really you don't even need I don't even need to kind of justify it because you know six to one you're not going to go you're not going to go poor long run if you're doing that. And also if you if you're happy to go down that route, just throw in Chelsea uh, next week in Ajax as well, and that'll put it up to sixteen to one. We already seen earlier on in the Champions League 15 of 16 favourites winning one game week, and as I mentioned at this at this stage, the first knockout round, 18 of 22 teams priced at evens and shorter have won. So six to one and 16 to one shots. If we're if we're happy we're taking some of these favourites already, why not combine them all together? So two things there, Stinch. First, Jake was nodding furiously throughout that. Secondly, he wrote something down in his famous notepad, which I imagine was <laughs> put a bet on that. So very, very good. I think Jake was very pleased about that. You said it would be exciting. And indeed <laughs> nice. it was. And he's written down the details. Jake's off to have a bet himself uh, as soon as we finish recording. So I better get on with it. Uh, that's all we have time for on this Champions League edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. There'll be a dedicated preview of every single game on betting.betfair.com. And also away from football, check out the Cheltenham Raw cast on our podcast network with the festival fast approaching. Either go to at Betfair Racing or at Betfair on social or simply go to betfair.com from Mark, from Stinch, from Jake and from me. It's goodbye for now.